Welcome to Product by Design with Kyle and Eva, a podcast about product management and product design, where we'll talk about subjects from product strategy to inclusive design. Every episode, we just have a good conversation about all the things that you may already know or not know, and occasionally we'll have a guest from maybe engineering or other product managers and designers to talk about all these topics. Welcome to another episode of Product by Design with Kyle and Eva. I'm Kyle. And I'm Eva. How are you doing, Eva? Great. I took today off, but then when I woke up this morning, and I'm sure you remember two hours ago, I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, start the Confluence page today. And and you just got to get to it when you, you know, (laughs) have that burst of energy. I think also when I woke up this morning, I was like, oh, yay, I took today off and and I can do whatever I want. So let's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's do work instead and anyways so I capped it at like two hours and I was like okay no I'm going to actually you know turn off and 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 move forward with other things that I actually want to do um, um with the day off so here we are I am off officially <laughs> how are you doing good good yeah I saw a whole bunch of like confluence notifications coming through this morning so <laughs> apologies uh, i oh you know what this this is a problem so you know how every every time you publish it gives you all the notifications and for for me and and I, you have that confluence you know page that you the space that you manage to and i don't know why but publish without notifying watchers is hidden in there so by default you always notify everybody and I always forget to not do that and end up, I don't even know how many notifications you got, but <laughs> you saw all the work I was doing. <laughs> Apologies on the notifications, but I really want it to be like by default, just do not notify anybody because I am changing layouts and I am adding line breakers. And those are things that don't need to be you know, notified to the entire world. (laughs) You have to love that about Confluence and Jira, right? They notify you of everything. When you don't want anyone to be messing with, you know, like your, your, your front yard or backyard, that's when you (laughs) put up a sign and be like, do not enter, do not trespass, do not do this. And, and, and I guess Confluence is just kind of like doing all the screaming and yelling on your behalf and like, everyone Eva's doing this thing good luck it's very loud you know I love confluence though don't kick me off (laughs) (laughs) yes anyone from Atlassian who's listening we we mostly love you I guess one day (laughs) one day they will be listening yeah I was I was reading this morning about microphones and this goes back to the probably the problem you were having finding one it sounds like Amazon's completely sold out of microphones. So yeah, well, I mean, what else are you going to do during an epidemic? I'm glad I got my microphones and whatnot all beforehand, but I guess that's not surprising. At first, I guess the comments were everybody started a podcast and I was like, well, I guess that makes sense. But then it also made sense that literally everybody's online at home and whether that's playing games or doing meetings or teaching or doing other things and you need a microphone for a lot of those things so it's not Mm -hmm. just podcast but it's literally anything on the computer that you need a decent microphone for so i guess there's lots of purposes for it but 
podcast yeah, being well, one of those things. I'm sure a lot of people are buying microphones to, you know, make sure the audio quality is good when they yell at people at like Call of Duty and stuff. And, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of teachers and a lot of other needs. So it's one of those weird, you know, uh, impact from this epidemic is you see some, you know, businesses or industry kind of rise from the ashes and then while while restaurants are burning you know to ashes i don't know it's it's very interesting yeah it's been a crazy turn yeah i went to get a new webcam because mine is relatively i've had it for years and years and i was like i should upgrade my webcam and that was just the dumbest thought ever thinking that i'd be able to get a new webcam like at the beginning of everybody going on and getting a webcam i don't know why i thought that that was even possible but Literally every webcam in the world was sold out at that point. And it's like, no, there's no chance you're getting a webcam at this point. <laughs> that is so weird. I, You know what? We should have started this uh, a website or something to kind of keep track of what, what, what is being sold, you know, in the world. And just it will be interesting to see because, I mean, first thing we know, toilet paper all gone. <laughs> and now we're talking about microphone and, you know, webcam. That's just very like, what else? What else is being sold that 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 is just weird and random, you know? That's a really good question. I think we're gonna we're gonna have to go find that out after the show. Maybe we'll post it in the show notes if we can find it. <laughs> what what is sold out and what is there in abundance of, and see if we can find some graphs. That would be really I'd fascinating. Probably be very interesting. And I can tell you, I was looking for an instant pot because what else am I gonna do? And and couldn't find one <laughs> and then i mean I, I found one at kohl's eventually but but yeah now we are making yogurt and all kinds of stuff at home because we're eating at home like 90 percent of the time now i mean actually 100 percent of the time it's just making food at home 90 percent of the time and 10 percent is just ordering curbside pickup that is everybody have you tried making sourdough bread yet I guess is the question. No, that's like a level 30 task. <laughs> I, I think we're we're easing into it, but we did take a brand making class at one point, so we're ready. Okay. I'll be interested in how that goes because apparently that's Ooh. the thing now. Oh that oh okay. You know what? One more thing that I noticed was sold out uh at Trader Joe's uh flour and also couldn't find that at Whole Foods and I'm like, what is going on? Flour oh, being sold. Oh, you're Everyone's late. making bread. Yeah, you're late to the game if you're looking for flour. We had to actually go get some from my mom, who <laughs> <laughs> to make cookies because flour has gone literally everywhere. You won't find it anywhere. Um, cookies is a lux- luxurious item. It is, <laughs> but it's a, in an epidemic. <laughs> yes, but we make sugar cookies for holidays. So St. Patrick's Day and Easter, we've celebrated both of those, and we make some awesome sugar cookies with our kids. And so we we usually only keep enough flour on. We don't bake a lot, but we we have flour to make sugar cookies. And so uh, we didn't have any. And we went to the store again, foolishly thinking that we'd be able to find flour and you can't find flour. <laughs> and so uh, we went to my mom, who fortunately is a, a huge baker and had enough flour for us to get some from. And just in case... She didn't have enough flour. She also has a, a mill that she can mill her own flour. So she's like, oh, don't <laughs> worry. If, if I run out, we're going to be able to make our own. So, uh, I have this visual of like this Amish family just like traveling to another family like, oh, may I borrow some flour? <laughs> yeah. This so it's very 
very old school. Oh, she's she's ready. Yeah, my parents, they're they're ready. We got a big tub of flour from her so we can make cookies. And then if it continues on and we have to mill some flour, like <laughs> we'll be ready, I guess. Yeah, forget about the instant pot. Why why did I find an instant pot? <laughs> I <need> that milk. <laughs> that is great. Yeah, sounds like we're all surviving in different ways through yep. this epidemic. But yeah, so that'll be our next podcast episode is, is making is milling your flour <laughs> to make sourdough bread and, and sugar cookies. Join us next time. That's great. But yeah, that's good. Should we get into it? Yeah. So today we are going to be talking about product managers and product designers working together. Uh, how can we best accomplish that? And how do we work together as product managers and product designers? and teams well, you know what are the best ways to do that and how do we kind of accomplish that in order to reach our goals as product development groups let me pose that question to you Eva to get to kind of kick us off what is the ideal structure for uh, product management and product design working together what do you think before i get into the serious answering of the question i just want to warn you i sound like i'm crying it's because of allergies it's not because of this <laughs> this question or this relationship of my product manager what did i feel about them the ideal structure i would say that there is a lot of overlap where we function together and and of course like we want everyone to care about the users i mean from my perspective that's kind of the agenda that i always want to put on the table right and then for product managers and correct me if i'm wrong is that uh, um, from that perspective, for, for me, I want to know, okay, like what are the business requirements? What are the, you know, system requirements? And in that we might have, you know, engineering in, involved in that too. But I think the ideal structure is that we come together and, and, and share what we know about, you know, all the constraints and limitations and what we're trying to accomplish. And I, I would say <laughs> on the ground level, I, I remember meeting with my product manager, not official meetings, but talking almost every day about <laughs> different tasks of like, okay, what what's coming up, what's going on? And also, is there anything that we need to supplement to the task that we've written or designed or any changes that come, you know, come through the door? Um, so it is a very intimate relationship. And at the same time, um, I do think that uh, it's important for us to be very clear of like, oh, this is what I'm bringing to the table, even though, you know, I, I, I am responsible. You still are, you know, should be in the loop of, of these things, you know, and, and vice versa. And so, yeah, that, that to me is the ideal structure. And I think um, depends on the product. And I, I would like to hear what you think about this too, is the, the ratio of, of product managers to product designer. Again, this depends on the, you know, uh, the scope of the product and how, how big the product is. But ideally, I think, one to one, or you know, at least the designer can have uh, enough time for for the product manager to actually like let both of us, you know, dive in deep into you know whatever is high priority. That I, to me is kind of the bottom line, and it might not be you know for us it's not a one to one ratio. But then some of the products don't require as much attention compared to some of the you know uh, uh, ones that have more users. So yeah, I just gave a non-answer answer, and I want to hear what you think. <laughs> For me, I think it it somewhat depends on the product and the teams and everyone involved. Generally, when I'm thinking of a, a good product development team, 
and uh, the focus that they have. I, I think that the the ideal structure of a product manager and a product designer is definitely that one-to-one dedicated relationship and dedicated structure so that the focus can be on what is the right experience and what is the right value creation within that product. Now, of course, every product is going to be a little bit different. You know, companies are different, teams are different, needs are different, users are different. All of those things can add variables and and make things different within the team structure. But when I think of like an ideal scenario, that's definitely what I'm thinking of is that having, you know, a dedicated product manager and a dedicated product designer uh, for me is definitely the ideal uh, scenario so that you can really have the mind power focused in on, you know, bringing the right solutions for both, you know, the business value and the user experience. And so that's definitely for me what the ideal is scenario would look like. So I guess shifting gears from that, what what about scenarios when you don't have the ideal? How do you handle those? Because you kind of touched on it a, a little bit, I think. Rarely do I, I feel like we're ever in the ideal scenario. So how do we handle right. that? Yeah, I guess uh, I definitely jumped the gun and just answered all the questions already. <laughs> and and totally. And and I do agree that the most ideal is the one-to-one ratio. And and Right now, I guess looking at on the on our table of what's going on and the yeah, a handful of our products are not getting as much, you know, design attention. But but again, like if one product might they might have, you know, only three or four users, like is that worth it compared to something that is more uh large scale where we have, you know, four four hundred people using this and then come there is a you know, ROI attached to everything we do at work. And within that, then we can prioritize and say where we where we want to put the resources. So, and in, in, in that it turns into a scenario where it's not ideal, right. To not have a very dedicated team, even though the product, you know, is smaller, but in that scenario is that from my perspective is we do what we can and there is different level of engagement that we can, you know, put effort into. And um, this is something that we, I guess you and I have been trying to tell people is like, we don't have to be in everything for you know forever but then whatever we can help you with uh, let us help with that and I guess to put it in a more granular level is that when it comes to our product that is smaller that don't get as much attention I still tell them hey if you need to test a new feature that is you consider that being a very you know important feature or, or very uh, with a lot of ambiguity we can still jump in and help you and give you the time um, even though it's again not ideal that I can sit there you know eight hours a day for, you know, the entire week forever, you know, to, to be on this journey with the product manager. And it sounds really harsh, but then <laughs> it is really difficult to give all. And, and when I do think that when I try to do everything for everybody, that's when it's easy for us to fail because then we are not doing a good job, you know, in, in anything we do, right. Cause we're not able to do deep dive where it, deserves the attention and so yeah for the not ideal um, scenario we kind of still put the appropriate amount of attention to the their high priority uh, high priority tasks to try to help as much as we can um, that sounds really pessimistic and I'm hoping <laughs> I want to hear what you think and, and it hopefully doesn't sound as pessimistic as mine or, or sounds as harsh but yeah what do you think yeah so I think there's a couple less than ideal scenarios 
So I think the most common one, and you kind of touched on it, is when uh, we don't have as many dedicated product designers as we do product managers. And that's the one that I've definitely run into the most frequently, where product design is under-resourced compared to product management, where we have uh, a number of product managers across the products that we have, and we don't have as many product designers. So product design is kind of split between a number of different products in order to do the research and do the design and do all of the other things. That's probably a common scenario that I think a lot of us have probably experienced. Given that it's not that one-to-one relationship, how do we handle that exactly? I And I think that you know, it kind of depends, again, going back to each scenario. Ultimately, no scenario is ideal, and we have to play with the cards that we're dealt. But I think that, you know, we can really focus in on what are the most important things that we can be bringing to the table. And obviously, focusing in on the fact that, one, having product management and product design represented is, first off, let's take a moment just to recognize that that's like a, a huge good, important thing, because a lot of times that's not even available at a lot of places. So if we have that scenario, even if it's not ideal, that we're in, like we've moved into a very good place to begin with. And then really focusing in on uh, how do we you know, maximize uh, the value that we can create with that. And so being able to prioritize, uh, you know, where is it that we can do from a product design perspective, do the right research, um, the right user flows, put in the right level of design. And then Mm -hmm. how can we also start to instill some of that knowledge and design thinking into other areas? And how can, you know, product managers, and this probably gets into some some discussion we'll get into in, in a minute, but how can we get other people involved into you know, some of that as well, where as product managers, they can start thinking about doing some of those things as well. Again, not the ideal scenario where, you know, we'd hopefully have more people dedicated to some of those things who, you know, have some of the the right skill set, but being able to, you know, pull some of that weight a little bit more, whether it's putting together uh, rough prototypes or, you know, doing some, some level of research or, or things like that in order to ensure Mm -hmm. that, even if it it's not perfect, we're at least gathering some of that information and putting the right totally. level of thinking into it. So, you know, we don't have to be doing everything perfect, but doing something is better than doing nothing at all. I think that that's I agree. certainly part of dealing with not an ideal situation. And then <laughs> if we're even stepping back into less and less ideal situations where, you know, we don't have product design at all, let's let's step back into that situation um <laughs> the dark ages yeah d- dark ages <laughs> how do we deal with something like that oh there's so many things i want to unpack there so yeah without a designer it's really hard to kind of expect the engineers or even yourself to kind of oh what do i do with the interface you know that's a very real problem that, that happens and and we've seen that happen on our teams where you know back when we didn't have any designers right and the engineers ended up being the ones who are you know doing that task which in a way it still has to happen in a you know very invisible way i would say because we talked about in last episode where everyone is in a way designing the system. It just 
depends on what the output is. Back when we didn't have a designer to really control what happens on the interface or kind of summarize all all these needs and 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 translate those things into a interface to encompass all the needs. Um, back then, it was really tough, and um, engineers were very like frustrated because you were coding and all of a sudden it's like wait but where do we put this button but what happens if you know the system state changes and how do we show that and what is the most ideal way to show that and we ended up with our one of our legacy products that we just retired and 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 that was a kind of frankenstein product where the notification all looks different and the way that the notification was built was also very different um even on a technical level how how it was built and so that was very difficult to deal with but then at the same time i think nice thing about living in you know like 2020 um is that there is a lot of um kind of out of the box solution that you can use and ui kits and stuff that kind of give you that jump start to to say okay at least we have a bunch of components that we can you know pick off and and say okay Let's use, you know, this this UI kit so that we don't have to build from scratch and end up with something that maybe the contrast is not going to look right or color palette is going to look funky. So that's kind of one of the many tools that we have nowadays. Again, it's a luxury that we didn't have, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago. So if you don't have a designer, definitely uh, uh, go you know, use something that was done for this particular, you know, purpose. And also, I would say there is this article that I always refer back to uh, uh, from the Norman Nielsen group, uh, which is the Ken Heuristics uh, by Jacob Nielsen. And this is not like a perfect design guide, but it gives you 10 different basically rule of thumbs and say, okay, make sure you help the user to understand what the system is doing. You know, just these very... Um, straightforward guideline to help you avoid some of the, you know, uh, unfortunate scenarios that you can run into if you don't have a designer. And those are things that I think uh, are very good tools to use to to help you to uh, really ease the pain. But then I would also highly recommend to recognize anyone on your team, let it be an engineer or analyst or whoever. Some people are just really design-minded or UX-minded identify those individuals and try to, I mean, it is not their full-time job, right? At the end of the day, but feel free to just reach out and say, Hey, what do you think of this? And, you know, just to get a gut check at, at least. And the worst thing you can do is work in a silo, right? And even me as a designer, a product designer, UX person, um, whatever your title is that is in the UX realm, like we do the same thing where we go and, and say, we don't, want to design for ourselves. So we go reach out to another person and get that spectrum of input. So then we cover more than, you know, what we know, right? So um, I do think that there are ways to kind of, again, it's not the ideal, it's not a solution, but it's kind of a painkiller at the moment, depending on what you're working on and just pick up the right tools to, again, ease the pain. So yeah, that's kind of uh, what I think when, when it comes to non-ideal scenario there. And uh, a second ago, in your answer, the, there was something that you said that I thought was also very interesting too, is right now we, we have the problem of having, you know, a lot of product managers and, and not enough product designer, right? And I thought about uh, this upcoming test that we're running and, and it informs not just one product, right? When it when it comes to, you know, the test we're running is the low time perception test that I'm thinking where it can help uh, not just the product that I'm working on right now, where it can help, you know, other products that I don't have time to say, you know, 
give full attention to. And I would say when, when you do any work that can be, you know, the, the, the result or the knowledge can be shared across the board, make sure you share those things on your team, because I'm sure there are other, you know, product managers or other designers that are kind of seeking for the same pool of, you know, knowledge and, and, and it can help to not, I guess (laughs) someone else is going to have the same idea and be like, Oh, I want to find that out too. And then you end up running the same test in two different times. You know, you don't want to, uh, do the work again if someone already has done it. And so, yeah, there's that too. Those are some of my thoughts on, on that topic. But then at the same time, I wonder what happens if it's the other way around where for us is not enough designers. And, and we have, you know, enough product managers, but then I imagine like, really, what would happen if you have not enough product managers, but too many designers? Have you ever uh, been in that scenario, Kyle? I've never been in that scenario. That would be really interesting. <laughs> I'd say right, right now we're in a scenario of too few product managers and way too few product designers. So I'd have to really think hard about a scenario <laughs> where you have- What would happen? Yeah. <laughs> more product designers and not enough product managers that's um that'd be a really interesting one i feel like that would be like maybe some sort of agency or something like that where yeah that actually makes sense that would make sense and i imagine that it probably happens more in an organization who's not really fully uh adopting the idea of product management but then they know they need design for this for that and then i i i guess that is a scenario that i can imagine happening so yeah I, I i would love to see how it happens and i'm guessing also it also can happen but not meaning that it is not ideal because i can only imagine uh for example like airbnb i know they have a, a bajillion you know uh ux researchers and 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 designers and then maybe the ratio is kind of the opposite of what we have and i also, I'm very curious to see the day-to-day and how, how they operate. And because for me being, you know, the, the minority in the, in the product uh, team uh, as a designer, and I get to see kind of a lot of what's going on uh, with other products versus if you're one of the, you know, 300, then what part of the product do you know? Or do you still know the entire product? life cycle of your product and user behaviors. I am interested in hearing if you are one of those people, um, tweet at me. I, I am genuinely curious about that. I would say that probably the one thing where you would see more along the lines of not necessarily the ratio being more product designers and fewer product managers, but another scenario being just too few product managers in general, where you just have much more of a focus on the engineering side where you're you're actually building yes. lots of things um, but not necessarily focused on either product management or product design and you know how that kind of looks from an organizational perspective where and we've kind of touched on this uh, in some of the previous episodes but where product in general just isn't of focus and bringing that into focus as an organization where realizing that you need to bring that mindset and bring that idea of, you know, what is the user experience? What is the business value? How do we ensure that we're building the right things into the entire product development process? I, I'd say that that is probably a much more yeah. common thing than having <laughs> having an over-focus wow. on design and not necessarily a focus on product management. Right. 
Kyle, now that I feel like you just brought up brought up the Trump card of like what is really the least ideal scenario, because now I'm like, oh, you know what? It is actually not too bad that you know we don't have enough designers, but if we don't have product management at all, you know, the presence of it at all, that really is the the true, I guess, dark ages. That that, that <laughs> yeah, is the least ideal. And but yeah, that's. <laughs> brought tears to my eyes. That, that is a very sad scenario. And I know that we have talked about it. Yeah. A lot of organization are changing and we want to help you to get there and convince the rest of your organization that like, yes, let's do this. This is very important and it can actually help to generate revenue. It's not just like feel good. And, you know, um, and one thing I also want to add to my previous comment is that the reason why I also brought up like, oh, if you want to do everything, you know, you don't have the time to do it and you're going to fail at, you know, everything you do because you can't, you know, get a, get, get a win, you know, out of the 500 things that you try to do. If, if, if on the design team, you don't have enough people, it's important to, to, I guess, get some quick wins and also make sure you quantify that win to, you know, the surrounding organization and also the upper management, because that's the one way for you to expand the team, right? The more you do, the more people see, the more they will start to say, oh, there is something there, you know, and you want to help other people to buy into what you believe in. And that really uh, is one way to kind of even out that, that balance out the headcount. <laughs> that's one way to do it. Um, so I'm sure that applies for product managers too, if that happens to be the scenario in your organization where, again, more designers and product managers, like, what does that look like? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. definitely. So let's, let's kind of build on that for a second. How should product managers and product designers combine forces then? What are some ways that we can, as a group, really work together collaboratively uh, in order to drive our products forward and add value for our business and users? Yeah. Um, there are two ways that I, I think uh, I can answer this question. And first is kind of what I talked about at the beginning where we have to, you know, share the knowledge of like user requirements. And then you tell me what the business requirements are so that to make sure my design is successful, you know, in terms of like, uh, uh, solving problems that we all have to solve on the same team, you know, and at the same time, I would say, uh, actually, this is interesting because this week we talked, I, I brought up the idea of like, oh, UX KPI. And then I know uh, the pro product managers, you guys are also talking about, oh, what are the OKRs? And there are a lot of similar similarities in, 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 in those two realms. Right. And I'm sure some people are right now sitting at home thinking like, no, they're very different. But the 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 the, the, <laughs> the eventual goal of those two different tools are still to, you know, in a way highlight the success and and kind of put put it down on paper of what we can accomplish. And in that way, I do see that being a place where we come together and say, okay, we have built this product and now this is how much of impact this this change is making and and in a, in a way that is quantifiable and that can happen you know again either you can say that is a ux uh, kpi or you know product okrs and whatever other ways that we capture metrics because it is really impossible to say oh you know product manager johnny did you know 60% of the work in this product versus you know 
product designer, you know, Sally did 40% of the work. So then we cut the, you know, monthly revenue that way and say, Johnny earned $6 per month versus, you know, how much Sally earns. Like, I don't think that's a possible way to even, you know, quantify those numbers. But then instead, I think it is very important to just say we as a team, you know, successfully execute on this product and this is a revenue revenue and 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 in that way too I do feel like you have to let go of your ego and say oh you know I did more in that realm versus you know the product manager did more because it is a joint effort to launch a product to launch a feature so yeah I guess that was the one way but before I move on to this my second point I kind of want to hear what you think on on this topic too yeah, I think that you know product managers and product designers, broadly speaking, as a group, bring really unique perspectives and key strengths to product development. And so, in combining forces, I think that there there's a lot of value that each side brings to product development. And I think that you know product managers tend to bring, generally speaking, a lot of value in you know some of the business mindset so some of the prioritization the valuation like you mentioned you know some of the stakeholder and value driven decision making and then from a design perspective you know our product designers really bring a lot of focus to the overall user experience customer needs and the design both visual and experience and so bringing those things together in a way that balances the overall product, I think is really powerful and is so important in product design. And there's a lot of push and pull in that, but I think that's important because there needs to be that push and pull. And by combining those forces, ultimately, you know, I think product management and product design are able to make the overall experience better. Not to say that one side is solely focused on one area and the other side is focused on the other, but the fact that product design tends to lean more one way and product management tends to lean another way, Mm -hmm. they do kind of have some of that push and pull. And I think ultimately that makes products better. And, you know, having both of those things kind of a little bit at odds, but also playing with each other and bringing some of those unique perspectives to the product development. And of course, you know, we're talking in general terms, every product manager and product designer is unique and brings different things and different perspectives to to their product. But generally speaking, by combining some of those unique perspectives, it really does bring a lot more balance to the entire process. And I think ultimately makes better products. And if one of those sides was lacking, you know, if there was just a complete focus on, you know, what's the business value of something, you would end up with a really, really terrible product. And if there was just a sole focus on the user experience, you would end up with Mm -hmm. a really, really great product. But it may not be very valuable to a business. And so find that money. Yeah. (laughs) Finding the right balance between those things is is something that good product managers and good product designers are able to find and bring to the product development process. Did you know what I was going to say with my second half of my answer? (laughs) Because I feel like that was a perfect segue into into what I I want to say as my second half of my answer. Um, Because you kind of, yeah, pointed it out already. So 
the 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 balance I think is very important because I mean product managers are in charge of you know the prioritization of what actually you know gets worked on next right and a lot of the time and again you kind of said it already where we need to balance both like oh what the what does a business need versus what does the user need right two different groups and sometimes they have very different interests and um it really if, if if there is a business need for something but then the user does not need that at all like wh- what do we do with that and vice versa if user wants something but the business is not going to be seeing any benefits in, in implementing that feature like um i mean i think there is a little more to 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 kind of look into there because you do want to build something that is delightful for your users right but then at the same time if you're gonna say oh we're gonna spend three weeks for you know 20 engineers to work on something that is only for the users, but not for the business. I think that's a very hard case to prove and say, oh, we are really bringing value to 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 the organization. And again, back back to using the example of of what if it is you know entirely what the business needs, but then the users don't need this or don't want to do this at all. You're gonna push away, you know, a lot of these long term relationships that you have with your users and they're going to see through that because they, they know what they need. They, they, they see that and they're going to be like, you know what? <laughs> this is not built for me. Um, goodbye. So then in that case, that business requirement becomes somewhat irrelevant because if your goal is to build a product that users you know love, then that business goal doesn't serve that purpose. It is then to me ir- irrelevant in a way, right? So I, I, I agree um, 100% with the balance of helping to juggle, you know, both sides and we come together in a meeting with the door shut and just like let's talk about really what what's important what's not uh, from all these perspective and 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 again important for for both sides to to bring our own individual perspective to the table and I can also see it happening in external facing meetings uh, outside of you know the product manager and designers because sometimes we go into a giant meeting with a bunch of people that we don't directly work with but then they are also very interested in like I mean stakeholders want to know why is this you know feature prioritized over this other one and we want to be able to to explain oh okay you know what why are the reasons and and usually those do feel like when stakeholders ask about this is not that they don't know the business reasons but more that they don't see the user perspective of that. And usually that conversation might happen with only the stakeholder and the product manager in the room. And you as a designer might not be there all the time. And, um, and, and, but the product managers being very well informed of that perspective of, I think it's only helpful to explain, you know, to, to support the decisions that we make within our team. So, so yeah, the balance. Okay, so within this topic too, I have something that I've been very curious about. <laughs> Is that just in general, how can product designers help product managers better? Like what are some ways that we can really bring meaningful contribution to the table? I think it's a great question. I think that product designers, I guess first off, help product managers immensely in oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. In, in so many different <laughs> ways. So shout out to every product designer and product design team that I've ever worked with. It's just been, I I don't know where product management would be as a discipline without really without product design and that focus on just the user experience and the research and everything that the focus on design and users really brings to the table. So I think that 
is really the one of the big things and big takeaways is that it's such a huge focus for just product development in general. I'd say probably one of the areas that would be probably beneficial is understanding and this goes for everybody is understanding constraints. You know, what are the constraints that product managers operate under? And I think that mm. um you know certain certainly certain product designers and user experience designers do really well at this and and others you know could probably do better at understanding some of them. Um I think in some of the the past areas that I've worked in in past products Certainly the easiest product designers and product design groups that I've worked with were the ones that understood some of those constraints, whether they were technical constraints, mm. business constraints, or time constraints, just because then when it came to you know some of the design decisions that were being made, the product design designer or design team could also help work within those constraints. And where like wherever there was conflict in the past, I felt those were the areas that they came up in, like when there wasn't a good understanding of what those constraints were, whether it was just not understanding some of the business constraints or technical constraints or things like that. So from a design perspective, understanding that, you know, product managers, while I think they could certainly, and, and I'll flip this question around in just a second, (laughs) (laughs) could certainly do better understanding design and as well as business and in other areas. Product managers don't look at design as like a superfluous thing, generally speaking. I think every product manager wants their products to be well-designed and Mm -hmm. beautiful and really functional and awesome. It's often the constraints that they're working under that kind of force them to either move faster or have to mm-hmm. make trade-offs and those types of things. So at least having an understanding of those different things and constraints, yeah. I think would help bridge some of those gaps. So that's one area that I can think of. I like that. Yeah. Uh, do you have a specific example, like just a, a any story in your career where you're like, oh, I just want the designers to understand this constraint, but then why don't they understand? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, please name all the designers yeah. involved. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Name names. <laughs> yeah, I just want to kind of hear an example of like how that all happened. And was there any tension in that? And how did you guys resolve that? Yeah, let me, let me think. So this was several years ago. Um, working with uh, one of our user experience designers, who who was great, by the way, like in a lot of things, um, but very focused on great designer. And mm. so I'll just I'll I'll caveat that <laughs> awesome designer, um, but keep going more <laughs> But didn't like didn't really wasn't really concerned with either like some of the the time constraints or some of the business constraints, like, like I mentioned mm. that, that we were working under as far as getting the product launched and some of the business concerns that one of the departments we were working with had. Mm. And Was so like timeline or kind of budget to. Yeah. Timeline, the budget that they were working with, and then just some of the overall like 
business um, concerns that they had. So just how the business yeah. worked and, and how their department mm. worked and things like that, which I think was partly structural. So we were in one of those scenarios where they were working across several different products. It was, I mean, the design team was bigger. So there were, I don't remember how many designers, but they were working across, most of them had, you know, two to three products that they were working across. So it wasn't a, a one-to-one. Um, so they were juggling a little bit mm -hmm. as well. Uh, so there wasn't the time to kind of dive deep into each product or, or, or business unit. And so there were some of those caveats as well. I guess not having that full understanding of both the product, some of the business stakeholders, and just that level of understanding. And so as we were getting into some of those things, we weren't able to move as quickly as they were looking for. And it was one of these, like, I, don't know, I guess I feel like everything is time <laughs> sensitive. So you, you, <laughs> yep. you try and you try and convey that. This one was particularly time sensitive because we had like we were willing to push everything else off. And, mm. you know, we were working on doing that, like, you know, we'll push off everything else that you're working on for us if we can move this forward. But that still like didn't gain us any like didn't gain mm. us anything on the on the time. And then just working with some of the the business as well as the customers, like there just wasn't that level of understanding. And so we had to, it just kind of went back and forth and back and forth a whole bunch to where everybody in the end was just like unhappy and we were unhappy. They were unhappy. Like it just, it wasn't a good situation. And so I think having that kind of understanding upfront mm -hmm. just makes everybody less likely to go into those types of scenarios of right ending up unhappy with either the outcomes or the process and more understanding of, you know, here's the constraints that we're operating under. And, you know, we're, if we're willing to make concessions on other things, yeah. what does that get us? Those types of, of things. So. Totally. Yeah. That, that's a very helpful piece of advice to, to, to any, anybody really. And just that understanding why we can't do certain things certain ways and why can't we spend, you know, six weeks building something that is just delightful. You know, those, those are very real problems that I would say I, I see product managers have to juggle with those things and they probably have already gone to battle to, to, try to you know fight for oh maybe three days we can spend three days on this right and I do really appreciate you know when the product managers can can come and just be very flat out like hey we don't have time for this and maybe you know cut it down or something just just being very clear with, I I really appreciate that as a designer just because sometimes there is a very ideal scenario of what I want to happen <laughs> and I'm sure the product managers you do too and then you know and yeah I think we all want that like as a as, exactly as a product management team as product designers like we all want to be able to go in and do like the right level of research put together prototypes and mock-ups mm -hmm. and designs and test them out and, you know, get feedback from users and do all of those things. Really? But then the constraints that we're, that we're always operating under, like yes. understanding those trade-offs that we have to make. And from usually from our stakeholders perspective, you know, a lot of times people yeah. want things yesterday and, you know, why isn't it done? <laughs> and those are the types of things that, you know, as, as product managers, a lot of us, you know, we're, we're dealing with that all the time and, and it depends on, you know, the stakeholders, it depends on the situation, 
And some of those things are, yes, everybody wants things done yesterday. And so, you know, that's like the start of perfectly. Yeah. Do (laughs) it perfectly. And why isn't it done? And, you know, often that's just the start of the discussion and it doesn't, you know, we don't need to go out and rush literally everything, but that's just where, you know, some people start their negotiation is, Mm -hmm. you know, we want it yesterday and we want it perfect. That doesn't mean that, you know, we go out and we rush everything today, but you know, there are certain situations where after, you know, we have all those discussions and, you know, we negotiate and make decisions and prioritization that it comes down to is like, okay, you know, we're going to push back on certain things, but there are other things that, you know, we agree to, to move forward quickly and, and we're going to not do everything like we want to. And, you know, here's where we're going to cut some things out to move faster and yeah. so being on the same page as far as some of those trade-offs, totally. I think that's where everybody yeah. being on board with it makes sense. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're all here, you know, the nine to five, we're all here trying to accomplish the same goal. Like nobody is, is, is the demon, right? Like at least I can say all the product managers I've worked with, everyone always is very down to like understand what I'm trying to tell them. And when I ask them like, wait, but why is this a limitation? They are also always very willing to explain and that kind of uh circle back to to yeah I want to circle back to the the very beginning when you asked me like what is the most ideal structure and I do really think that having that uh, open avenue to talk to my product manager like frequent enough to get those moving pieces like why is this this way well what what just happened there why are we changing the scope like that visibility is very important and and that's why when it comes to any giant initiative that we're doing like I I think the communication piece is almost like the most important part of it all and I would also recommend like I don't know I I I don't feel like this happens really often but 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 I do think that when it comes to a situation where it's like again tension is you know building and oh why can I just do this why why doesn't the product manager understand we need to do it this way like trust me they they do and I don't know. I can't, I guess I cannot speak for all product managers, but <laughs> I would say, yeah, give each other more empathy just, just to listen and understand what's going on. And I, I can just only, you know, think of the few scenarios even happened this week where we have different uh, priorities that just keep shifting and be like, oh, we're going to do this first and do that next. And tomorrow it might be different. And as a designer, that can be very, very frustrating because it's like, okay, we have this ongoing process and halfway through I have to stop my interface design because, oh, now we're not going to do this. Like it happens. And I I think we just have to understand what uh, those moving pieces are. And again, your product manager can tell you those things and just, just got to ask for, for, you know, the full picture. Yep. Great. Yeah. So let me, busy, but they can talk. Yeah. Yeah. Let me flip that around on you and ask what, can product managers do to better collaborate with product designers? I'll tell you up front right now is that most of the problems that I encounter, uh, are, when I say problems, it's like things that are not easy to resolve, I should say. Those don't usually come from the product managers. They'll usually come from outside the product team where people don't understand like, why, why, why do we need a designer involved in this? Why do we need to do research? Or what is this? You know, um, but I, I, I do want to say that for you know dear all product managers <laughs> this this sincere letter from me to you is trust that we do research and trust that we do you know testing um but i mean still at the end of the day 
at the end of the day, if you want to know why, like come talk to us, why we make certain design decisions. And um, I, I think there's a saying, I don't know if this is like a common American saying, but we hear this a lot at our workplaces, trust, but, but verify. I think this applies everywhere, um, not just in our work. But if you come and ask me like, oh, why is this, you know, worded this way? I want it to say this versus what you have there. And a lot of the time is I can tell you, well, you know, our users have the education level of blah. And then I, you know, there's this tool that I can use called Hemingway to put it in there and basically paste my, you know, UI uh, notification in there, whatever it says. And it will tell me what, what grade this, the, the reading level is of this sentence or of this paragraph and of the language. And in that case, I, I, I can show you, you know, how I arrived at this solution, but then that might not be the first thing I tell you when I come to you with, oh, here's a design solution. Because in that design, there's so many things you can pick apart, right? When you look at interface design, not just the language, but like, oh, why do we use this color? Why do we use, you know, this square instead of a rounded blob? You know, there are just so many things you can pick apart when it comes to any visual elements. But um, um, so trust that we do have, you know, ways to, to not justify, but to support our uh solutions and um and i i know that it takes time to you know build that trust and build that relationship um and that's also why i i said but verify is feel free to ask and i would say that any any designers should be able to tell you oh this is why we do it this way and if there is not a reason for it this also is a good opportunity for the designer to to get that chance to say, oh, you know what? I actually didn't think about this. You know, you brought up something that is very, very, very interesting. Let me go test, you know, do an A-B test or do a usability test, whatever that next action is. Um, give us that room to 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 verify too. And in, in the past, like, there has been so many moments where, you know, I, I think that I've uh, <laughs> in my head constructed the, the the script of oh okay if 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 Kyle comes to ask me about this piece I have this reason and this research to support this but then sometimes then Kyle might come to me and ask me something that I really didn't think that he was going to ask me about you know within the design solution and then I also would recommend to say you're not sure you don't know but you will verify right like that that is something that I think is completely okay if you feel you know uh, what is that term that they use? Psychologically safe at work. <laughs> and and if you feel like you have the right relationship with that person, like it really is okay for you to say, I don't know, but I will find out and I will iterate on this. Yeah, I, I would say as a designer, sometimes you have the perfect script. You just don't know what people are going to ask about or something that I really have missed, you know? And I, I, again, just ask for the empathy from all product managers to the designer and say, give us that room to verify. And we're all stressed. But but we want to give you the best, you know, solution that our product deserves. So yeah, I feel like that was almost like pleading with like, please don't don't hurt me. I will go find out. But uh, but yeah, trust but verify. And then after you verify enough, I hope that you trust the designer enough to to know like, oh, of course, you know, of course, Johnny already you know did the research on, on this one. But um, but if you have doubt do ask. We, we, we like talking about design. Awesome. I think that's great. All right. So last question, sum it up. What do you think are the keys to success in working uh, together with product managers and product designers? Between 
the two roles, I really think communication is the biggest, biggest piece and trust again, will come with time. But um, again, if you feel like you don't have enough of the, what the land, like the landscape looks like, just ask like, Hey, why, why do we have these, you know, limitations or why is this design done this way? Like all these only can happen when we talk to each other. So yeah, I would say communication. Nice. What about you? Yeah. I'd say that the most successful times that I found at both as a product manager and beyond is I'd say defining the role and kind of the relationship. So yes. discussing how is it that you're going to work together, collaborating, like you mentioned, and then evolving together. So, uh, you know, defining that. how it is that you're going to work together, you know, how is the relationship going to be, you know, what are the strengths that you're each going to bring in and focus on? You know, constantly collaborating, mm -hmm. so communicating, continually being involved in everything that each other is doing uh, and just always being on the same page. And then just allowing space, like you said, to evolve, to gain trust and to, you know, just continue to iterate, not just on the product, but on what you're working on together. So I think those are the totally. three things that I'd put as keys to success yeah and one thing i want to add to is like from the designer too like definitely communicate the the risk or if there's anything that you're not able to do because of timeline because we have talked about like oh you know right now we have less designers than, than 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 the ideal so what happens there is that sometimes i do still have to say oh you know what i only have you know this much time to do research but this is like this is what i know and there it might be still certain parts that i don't know and the risks kind of, you know, come from this uncertainty. I, th I think it's okay to communicate that with your product owners and, and product managers to say, this is what I know, this is why I don't know. And here you go. You know, if, if it's really not the most ideal scenario, but again, communication. So then everyone knows, you know, you don't want to send someone into, I don't know, the dark forest without knowing anything. And then there comes a giant bear and then we all fail, right? But yeah, it's crazy. Communication, it's, which is the answer to, I, I don't know, everything people like, oh, friendship. This is what we need, <laughs> communication, marriage, communication. And it's like a cure-all, but then it's really one of the hardest things to say that you are very good at. It takes a lot of, I, I feel like, bravery sometimes. Again, earlier I mentioned like, yeah, if some product manager, manager comes to me and just like, hey, why is it done this way? And I don't have an answer. It's scary to say, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, trust that the other person is not going to on the spot, like shame you. <laughs> so yeah. Cool. Well, I think that that's a great episode. Did you have any yeah. shout outs for the end today? First, um, this book that I often refer to um, called The User Experience Team of One by Leah Bealey. I have a hard time with all names. I figured, but um, she is now working at, I believe, at Envision. But then um, I didn't know that until I started getting like Envision newsletter or something, you know, their their reports on the design frontier landscape, something like that. And I saw her name. And I was like, oh, my goodness, it's her. <laughs> and it's kind of the fairy godmother of, of UX to me. So it's really cool. And then earlier I was flipping, flipping through the book and I saw um, what's his name? Something Winslow Fitz. What's his first name? I cannot remember. Um, maybe I should do a shout out for him uh, with with 
more details next time, but he created the Fitz's Law, which is really cool. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that next time. But but yeah, um, his name was mentioned in, in Leah's book. And I, I, I think this book is is the just the right amount of pages and then right amount of pictures in there. <laughs> and yeah, I highly recommend it uh, for anyone who's looking to understand really now, you know, what do I do as a product designer and, and more ideas of how to uh, run tests or, or just to understand better what this job is about. Do you have a shout out? Always. So, <laughs> who was it? Let's hear it. Ermal Frazi or Phrase. So he was, and I alluded to this earlier, in the early 1960s, the inventor of the pull tab or the pop top soda oh. can. Yeah. So an invention that still persists to today. It's obviously gone through some iterations and some changes, but rumor or legend has it that. He was caught without a can opener at a picnic. And so it was like, allegedly, <laughs> there has got to be a better way to open my soda can. And so went oh. and invented the pop top soda can, which just is what? awesome. Like shout out to that guy who was like at a picnic and like, to I all soda drinkers. Yeah. Yeah. So there I'm continuing with my shout out to soda. <laughs> Your addiction. <laughs> yeah. Which... Cheers. I've got my mug filled with soda. I'll admit, today. no, it's soda. I'll admit it. It's got my soda in it. So yeah, I popped a soda can in, it, I guess it wasn't technically in his memory earlier, but I'll say that it was. So popped, popped <laughs> Wait, a can so what, earlier. What, what, what did people do before that pull tap? Like, did it just come with a can, like a sardine can, like all soda? What happened? Was it in carton? Uh, so they definitely had bottles. So you had like, Oh, to, I forgot to about pop, bottles. Yeah. Sorry, you had bottles. to pop the bottle. <laughs> and then I had no, I don't I have no idea. I think you had a time like getting people to buy into like the idea of an easy open can, but then people started to see it and were like, Whoa, that is a really good idea. And started to wanted to manufacture it and wow. took off obviously. And now easy open cans kind of the name of the game so everything from soda to our dog food is easy open can yeah, yeah. oh my cats are, are definitely enjoy, enjoying that that pull tab where I pop it open immediately all three of them just yep. rush over yeah imagine if you were using a can opener or something like just how less enjoyable that would be yeah i'll be dead by now my cats will be like no you're taking too long yeah I'll kill you they, and take your food yeah, it'd be so scratching your face off. <laughs> yeah, then I'll turn into Catwoman. I believe that's how that how it happens <laughs> from from my memory of what is that movie? Batman, something, one of the many ones. Yep. yep. Anyways, cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Do you have anything to plug? No, we got to oh, plug. Plug. Yeah, your Twitter, right? Do oh, we have Twitter yet? Yeah, we do. We haven't really yeah, used what is it. it? It's pro <laughs> we will now. <laughs> yes, we're gonna get it going. Prod by design. Yay! And yeah. Kyle, your personal Twitter. Kyle Larry Evans. Yep. And mine is, uh, I believe it is Y A N C H A U C H A U Jan Chow Chow. Um, find me, and we will talk to you later. Thanks. Thank you. Bye bye. 
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can find out more about us and our podcast on our website at productbydesign.co. You can also follow us on Twitter at prodbydesign. That's at prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Larry Evans. And you can also find Eva on Twitter at Yan Chow Chow. See you next time.